Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Maddie Lansdowne, and he is from Down Under, and he is a scientist and a podcast host and a nutritionist and also a um, health coach. Welcome, Maddie. Thanks, Amber. How are you? I am good. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm glad to be on here chatting to you again after you were on my show, so yes. which got such a great reception. So I'm oh, looking good. forward to yeah. being on yours. <laughs> the crazy American girl, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, so the subject of this podcast is going to be diet culture toxicity. And I think this is a really huge thing. And it's been a huge thing for, for, I don't even know, for forever, I think, uh, <laughs> at least since the seventies, right? I don't even know. It's, mm. it's, and it's just progressively got worse. So Maddie, I want you to kind of tell people who maybe not really fully understand what that means. What is diet culture? And give some examples. Yeah, totally. That's a good good place to start because um, unless you're caught up in it and some people that are caught up in it don't even realize they're caught up in it. Mm. Um, it's basically the, the fact that we're in this world where we're essentially looking at diets as religions. Um, and so we, we attach our, our beliefs and our identities to a particular diet, uh, whether it be vegan, whether it be carnivore, whether it be, you know, whatever the thing is. And we cycle in and out of these belief patterns. And so we go into this diet and we think it it's amazing and it fixes everything and everybody should do it. And then we kind of fall off the bandwagon and then we kind of believe the opposite. It's like, nah, it doesn't work for me. It's a scam. It's a lie, you know, and, and the consequence of that physically um, and many women that I work with are very familiar with this, which is why I speak to this a lot. It's that you, yeah, you get sort of sold into this new idea um, or this new diet, whether it be, you know, the low fat thing or the six meals a day thing, or, you know, what insert relevant diet. Um, and, you know, you get sold into it and into this kind of indoctrinated into this belief system that this is everything. And the physical consequences are weight gain, weight loss, weight gain, weight loss, uh, because we're, we're not just focusing on how to level up as a human. We're focusing on a set of belief systems that we're trying to force upon our biology, uh, which is, you know, there's a, our belief system does not necessarily correlate to exactly what is perfect or ideal for the human body. And there's, you know, I mean, the best word, you know, the, in the word culture is the word cult, right? So a lot of these diets have cult followings. Um, and it's amazing that these diets do work for some people, but I think as an overarching culture of society that you attach yourself to a particular way of eating is not, well, I know for a fact that it, it's not ideal for your biology for most people and for also mentally, which is far more important. And psychologically, if you have identity issues, and this is the same with any belief system, if you attach mm. yourself to a belief system outside of your own physical being, then you are at the will of whatever that organization mm -hmm. diet you know does um and so a lot of people especially through the last few years of the pandemic have felt really you know controlled by the government or an idea that you know the, the opposite side of that maybe it's like bill gates or whoever and it's it's this stuff that we can't truly know but we've attached ourselves to an idea uh and therefore our our wellness our mental health our belief systems are controlled by someone else we are not in the driver's seat and so when you're not in the driver's seat of your own health and your own belief systems around food then you literally bounce in and out of belief systems. So it's like, um, 
whether it be vegan, then it's like, ah, oh, nothing doesn't work for me. I've just got bad genetics. So I'm just going to eat chocolate. I'm just going to eat all the things. Um, and we've got this whole culture now where even if you go to cafes, like, you know, there's meals that are specifically for a particular diet. Um, and, and I know for people that have intolerances and sensitivities and reactions, that's totally important. That's kind of therapeutic. That's not really what I'm talking about here. It's the yo-yoing in and out of um, one diet didn't work. So back to the old, old way of being, try the new thing back to the old way of being and this diet culture is always focused on the physical it's focused on mm. how can i reduce my body weight and how good do i look in tight clothing basically um, and that is so incredibly superficial that none of these diets really last long not because of the diet because diet culture totally misses the point that you need to level up psychologically as a human and develop new belief systems in yourself not in the nutrition in yourself that you can actually be a different person or eat a particular way. And I think, yeah, a big part of my mission is to let people know that actually the missing piece from any of the diets that failed you is probably, it's highly unlikely that it's not nutrition. It's highly, unli it's highly likely that it's the belief upgrade and the self-identity upgrade and the culture within your own self that needs changing. Because when people go through a 10 or a 12-week diet, they usually look forward to week 13 when they get to go back to who they used to be, right? True um, story. And, yeah. And so people get like, it's all willpower, willpower, willpower. Oh, it's finally over. And then, of course, if you, you know, if you try and go back to who you used to be, you're going to have the same problems that old you had as well. And, and the problem is with that, that actually it's not just the same problems. There's usually a few extra kilos. There's usually a few <laughs> yep. more runs to the toilet than usual. There's, a, you know, the, the symptoms don't just come back, but they accumulate and they grow over the years. Um, and so it's this culture of in and out and willpower and, you know, just use grit and be strong and, and that kind of culture around orienting our our health choices and our food choices towards creating a body that other people approve of is so superficial that it never lasts which is why this podcast and my podcast even get listeners because people are trying to look for answers that actually work right yeah what are the answers well well the first place to start is yourself you're like who are you and you've got to reflect on your past and for many people this will go into childhood trauma um, mm -hmm. for some people it's not quite that deep for some people it's just simply the advertising industry programmed my brain for 50 years which it, it's you know it's it strategically does the colors of um, chocolate wrappings and different things are designed to trigger evolutionary responses in your brain so that's definitely a thing but then compounded on top of the fact that most of us were given terrible belief systems about food by our parents mm -hmm. now our parents were trying to do the best thing at the time they were trying to do amazing things for us but unfortunately they were also programmed by the food industry uh, and so they handed us food beliefs when we were really young and then the the reality is for most people we don't grow up in emotionally mature homes so we grow into adults thinking we're these amazing mature adults that can choose to how to live life for ourselves when the truth is for most of us we are just like basically babies in adult bodies emotionally we have not learned how to set boundaries we have not learned to understand the different parts of our psychology and negotiate between those different parts because we all think we all think amazing things about ourselves sometimes or other people and we all think things that would put most of us in jail for a very long time <laughs> like we are not our thoughts right we have we have perceptions and different uh, perspectives on everything and so because we grew into these adults Unfortunately, the way that, and this is how I sort of I work with busy mothers and, and I, I try and motivate people by saying, 
the way that your children will live as adults is that when they get to that age, which we all got to where we're like, oh, amazing. I get to choose whatever I want to do now. And when it comes to health, they, their point of reference is the parental figures when they grew up. So when they're an adult, they'll be like, okay, um, how do I look after myself? Okay, how did mum? It's usually mum who was the, the, the food, the supplier of food and nutrition and meals, sometimes other people, but mostly mum. And they'll be like, oh, this is how mum used to look after herself. And if mum was entirely self-sacrificing, followed the idea of do as I say, not as I do, um, and all of these contradictory ideas around, no, you have to eat your vegetables, only mum and dad get ice cream after dinner, or any of this kind of stuff, or whether that belief system be eat, eat all the food on your plate because the kids in Africa are starving. So you're encouraging overeating to solve problems that you actually cannot solve. And so we don't actually go through this phase unless you're very lucky to be in a house where you have emotionally mature and able parents that can teach you all of these psychological, um, you know, things that I think we all need to be taught um, so that we can actually create a culture, not, not engage in diet culture, but create a culture within our own personal being of respect. And for women, like the self-love is often the thing that they find appealing because when it's about your health and your wellness, because you have a standard for the way that you show up in the world and live your life, then you will just go towards whichever nutritional pattern makes you feel more abundant and more amazing rather than attaching yourself to a group of people that have convinced you mm -hmm. of whatever the, you know, the belief system is. So I think this diet culture comes from a, a, a core place of not feeling enough or not feeling able or not feeling mature enough within ourselves. So like just in the same mm. way we use sugar to fill voids, we go and attach ourselves to a community that we relate to because everybody in that community is trying to fill the same void, right? So I think it comes back to no matter the diet, there has to be an emotional eating um, and a self-development component before we even talk about food. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and it kind of um, makes me think of like how kids get involved with gangs because they're mm -hmm. looking to fit in. They're looking for yeah. an identity. They're looking for something like that. So it makes total sense. And I mean, I see it with my own eyes and, I, you know, I'm sure I'm part of it, too. Um, but here's a question, though. OK, like as far as you're talking about uh diet culture toxicity. Um, mm -hmm. like I, I, and I try to kind of stop doing this as much, but like you relate to, um, Oh, well, what diet do you follow or whatever? Oh, I'm a carnivore. And so mm -hmm. by saying I'm a carnivore, that, that is identifying with a specific group. Although I don't really mean it that way. I mean, I love the carnivore community. I'm not going to lie because you know, it, it just fits with my way of thinking, like you said, mm -hmm. But I don't really, I, I don't feel for me, it's, it's a cult, but mm -hmm. I, I know that that happens even in, in that community, of course, obviously, but oh, it's hard at the to same avoid. Time, it happens in all communities. You yeah. Know? And it's not, not saying that like carnivore is bad or vegan is bad. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. It's about, you know, it's, it's a, rather than focusing on that element, it's like, am I doing what is best for me? Because I want to right. feel amazing. Right. Right. And, yeah. and do the values of this group represent that, or are we all running away from the same demon? Right. So, so necessarily just because you say, oh, I'm a carnivore and you mm -hmm. mean it as in, I eat meat based, right. Mm -hmm. Not as in, I am controlled by this certain ideology. 
Or yeah, whatever. well, and the other thing is too that if somebody comes along and meets you and it's like, hey, I'm Amber, I'm a carnivore, you don't project, right? Because that's that's preaching. That's preaching, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you, if you come along and project and judge other people for not making the same choices, you know, or be like, if you're not vegan, you know, you're against animals or you're against life or, you know, some of these ideas that come out of that movement. Um, and again, every single group of people on the planet that has a label has some group of people that are not ideal, right? It's just the nature of human beings. But it's more about being like, you're okay with carnivore for you. It satisfies all your needs. It's not perpetuating a back and forth cycle of like sugar binges, carnivore, Mm -hmm. sugar binges, carnivore, you know, so it's a psychological layer underneath. And then it's, and then for anybody that's listening and whatever they identify with, it's about remembering that that is just a tool to make you the most abundant version of yourself. And that should always be the goal, not to eat a particular way. If the byproduct is that you eat a particular way, awesome but it's just the the, getting that hierarchy of priorities correct and it's about how you feel within yourself yeah you know and and i get asked a lot like oh well if if i eat spices am i a carnivore and Mm -hmm. i'm always like it doesn't matter what the label is it doesn't matter who cares what label is slapped on you. I mean, I say it out of ease and whatever, but as far as a label goes, I always tell them, you know, does it work for you? Does it, does it fit you? Do you feel better? I mean, who cares if somebody in the community decides you're not carnivore because you're eating spices or whatever, who cares? Mm -hmm. Or if you eat occasional fruit, if that works for you and it doesn't give you issues, and who am I to tell you that if you eat 95% meat and Mm -hmm. just 5% other, that you're not a carnivore? Totally. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I think as well, part of the toxic diet culture is that, thick black line and it's like you're either this or you're that and there's just no flexibility and we're humans we're complex we're emotional we're dynamic and if we are not if we are imposing inflexible rules or systems Mm -hmm. upon ourselves we will inevitably break those because they have to be flexible to cater for the human experience absolutely i mean even keep using carnivore but even within that there is a huge range huge range There are those that only eat red meat, salt Mm -hmm. and water, period. And then there's others who are more, um, you know, meat-based carnivore. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. keto, ketovore, whatever you want to call them. And, and, you know, they still eat a little bit of vegetables here and there, but they're pretty much primarily just all meat-based. But Mm -hmm. then there are others that will say, well, that is not carnivore totally but it's like who gets to decide the exact rules and and kick you out of the club because you don't follow exactly whatever i mean (laughs) i i I drink brewed cow cow and i have spices okay Mm -hmm. i admit it and then occasionally (laughs) i will have alcohol i am not promoting that y'all i am not but you know i do what i do but uh but but promoting the idea that you're a human right is is great because so many influencers out there are like i am perfect in every way and this is the highlight reel and i never break the rules and and it gives this idea it perpetuates diet culture because everybody of one of those followers and i hear it Mm. from my clients all the time like i follow this person i follow this person i can't i I can't do what they're doing but i'm trying really hard and it's like yeah one you don't have their genetics two you don't have their life three Mm -hmm. like 
you're just entirely different. Your whole life experience is entirely different. And it doesn't mean that I don't, like, I, I definitely think we should all be progressing towards health, abundant health, right? It's just that the strategy you use to get there doesn't have to be one that means that you judge yourself if you don't get it right today. It doesn't mean that you self-sabotage because you went out on Friday night, had a good time, and now think you're a failure for the next 10 years. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. it's like, it's, it's, that's, that's the, where the diet need, culture needs to disappear and we need to learn to sort of love and respect ourselves. But the other thing is too, there's those kind of people that have put that thick line in the mud then say that it's here. I, I see those clients too. And they say, I check my bloods and I say, hang on, how do you feel? Yeah. And they're like, I feel amazing, but this, this is up in my bloods or this is low. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the same with the scales, you wake up in the morning and it's like, I feel amazing. But if that number, if that uh -huh. number is going to dictate how you feel about your own self-worth or mm -hmm. whether you should go on a particular treatment or, or anything like that, you've got, to, got the priorities the wrong way around. And that's a result of our over-medicalized world is that we, we outsource our own intuition and intelligence. And that's part of the medical <sighs> problem is that we do not allow individuals to be an expert on themselves. So they say, the data says this, the data says this. And it's like, hang on, are you the best you've ever felt in your life? Like, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, you're probably doing the right thing. <laughs> For you and yes. your body, your circumstance. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I always say that I'm carnivore right now. But mm -hmm. if something changes and it stops working for me or it starts causing me issues that I'm aware of, I'm open to, to you know, changing things. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stick with it just because, you know, mm -hmm. and I mean, I, I can't foresee anything happen, but you don't know. I mean, totally. And, and things change. Your body changes. Circumstances change. Your goals change. So you can't ever say, oh, this is the only exact only way I'm going to eat forever and ever and ever. Never change anything. Never add mm -hmm. anything. Never take away anything. Always, always going to be exactly like this. You can't say that. I totally. Mean, you can't say that yeah. about anything, really, because as soon as you do, never say never. That, that's always, <laughs> you know, play in my head. Never say never. So I'm always kind of careful about that. There are a few things that I have said never on, but it's pretty rare because it's like, as soon as I say never, that's when it's going to happen. I'm going to look like an <laughs> idiot, you know? No. <laughs> totally. Totally. And there are, there are very few people that are extremely rigid type people and again it comes back to if that happens to work for that one individual they're probably rare but awesome like you know what i mean like they, most ceos i studied forensics was my first degree right most ceos have the same um psychological profile as serial killers so the point that i want to make there is that if you find a healthy outlet for your personality amazing if running a company that helps millions of people instead of being a serial killer, like that's great. And if you find a diet where you get to be really rigid and impose that and feel good about that on yourself and not others, great. But if it mm -hmm. starts to make you feel restricted, trigger binge eating, reactive, um, you're not fun around your friends because you're judging everyone for their food choices, then like we need to change things up. There's some voids that you're trying to fill that you're currently unaware of. I absolutely a hundred percent agree. And, you know, I, I know that, that, you know, like you're in the grocery store and you look into somebody's baskets and, and you see like cookies and all this kind of stuff, you know, you come on when, when you're in the health field, you can't help, but go, Oh God, they don't know what they're doing to their body. Oh God. <laughs> you know, not, not that, Oh, they're stupid or they're, you know, whatever. It's just like, mm -hmm. Oh, I don't think you really understand. Oh, oh totally. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. 
you know, call that judging, whatever, but it, it's more kind of heartbreaking for me. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, just like you don't have the information because I didn't have the information. I get it. I understand that part. And so that's yeah. hard for me because you do kind of want to go, can I help you? You know, but of course you're not gonna, you know, but, but totally. get so bent out. If, if you do, you do something out of the normal. Like if you're not mm-hmm. following what they're doing and you do something different, for instance, you know, people who are on the typical sad diet, and then you decide to make healthy choices for yourself, you're looked at as the weirdo. It's like, so I'm yeah. going back to eating what really you're supposed to be eating as in no processed foods and sugar mm-hmm. and seed oils. And I'm the weird one, really, you know, but you do get that attitude from people. And when I first started keto and I was, I felt so amazing and I had lost 80 pounds and I was just flying high. I had never felt so good in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all I was off medication except for one pill. Um, and I just felt great. And then at at a holiday, um, (laughs) I got attacked because somebody, I brought my own food just because Mm -hmm. I knew what food was going to be there. And I didn't want that for me, not because I can't, or I was restrictive or anything like that. It's, I didn't want that in my body. I worked way too dang hard. And so I brought my own food because I don't want anybody else to uh, be responsible for, for me. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's not on me to have them, you know, do something special for me. So Mm -hmm. I brought my own food and I was questioned about, what are you doing? And I just kind of gave an explanation and somebody got extremely upset about that and said, Oh God, that's all you talk about. I I didn't say anything. I was minding my business, eating my food. And Mm -hmm. I was asked a question and I answered it. That's all I did. But it, it was looked at like I was threatening them or, you know, putting down their food and I didn't say anything. Yeah. To, uh, it's funny you bring this up. I have a lot of clients. Um, and I said before, I work mainly with mums. So I have a lot of clients whose husbands quite actively go out of their way to sabotage their wives' efforts because for two, well, mostly two reasons. One, the husband's sick of being a part of paying for now the 10th program or like, you know, because, and we wouldn't have to do 10 programs if we didn't, we weren't indoctrinated into this diet culture. But the other thing is too, people will react and speak out and lash out against things that they didn't have the courage to do or things that they failed at. So this comes back to the core of the the diet culture message that we were talking about, which is there's a void. Those people are projecting their belief systems of not being healthy or being trying to be healthy out onto you because they have a void. And that void is maybe they don't believe that it's possible for them to be healthy. Maybe they don't believe it's possible for you to be healthy, but guess what? go away. It's not your, it's not your right to project your belief system onto me. Right. So anyone that judges you reacts because you don't have a coffee and cake with them at at a cafe, or if you go and visit your nan and she's angry that you didn't have biscuits, they are projecting their belief systems onto you. So the way that I try and encourage people to deal with that is if you frame what you're doing in a really emotional way about your wellness and, and be like, you know, you know, whoever it is, honey, nan, whatever, like, you know, when I eat this way, it really gives me some problems and I I feel really unhappy in my own body. And um, I'd really love your support to help me get to feel, feel better about myself because I can be, I can one, feel better for me, but two, I can show up better in the family. Um, You know, I can, I want to model this for the kids because I want them to not get diseases. You know, always communicate this stuff 
in, in, in your wellness, in the in way of your wellness. And if somebody responds to that with another judgmental comment, they literally just have to get kicked out. Like they're off the Christmas <laughs> card list because they're right? just an asshole. Like, yeah. yeah, if they're well, not willing to support you wanting to better yourself. Yeah, well, they're toxic. It's like, totally. you don't have to have toxic people in your life, even if they're mm-hmm. family or friends. Mm, totally agree. If they're not going to support you for what you feel are, is best for you, I'm not saying give your opinion if it's something, you know, whatever, because it's what a friend or family does. But mm-hmm. when it gets to that point like that, it, it, it is just, oh my goodness, why? You know, it's like, why do you care? Like, I could care less what, you know, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I could care less. I do care because I want people to be healthy. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not on me it's not my responsibility for your health. I mean, mm, totally. I would love to help you, but it's not my responsibility. Just like it's nobody else's responsibility for my health. And I have to totally. take care of me and I have to decide what's right. And I think that's what a lot of people don't really get. Like you said, they, they, they listen to everybody else, all the noise, and they're trying to figure out where to fit in, but they're not mm-hmm. listening to their own bodies. Yeah. Well, and I, like we said before, like, the, the medicalized world has encouraged people not to listen to their own body because you know you're not the expert the blood test results are um and and don't get me wrong i don't think for a second that medicine is useless that blood tests are useless or anything like that the point is the psychology and your physical lived experience comes first before data comes second right for the individual mm-hmm. so yeah no i totally agree and remembering too that like anyone that does that they're judging you for something they don't believe they can do um and and yeah it's it's not about you you know it's it's about other people's insecurities and they too need to go and do the same work to fill the void within them right Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think that is just such a huge problem because we're always trying to fill some some void or most of Mm -hmm. us are and you know in one way or another whether it's Mm. in diet or something else you know um but because of the world we're kind of in, I think we just see so much of that, you know? Oh, for sure. And I think as well, it's a muscle like to like any part of your body or personality, if you want to get more of it or get it bigger or better, you have to exercise it. And so, you know, listening to this podcast, this conversation might just be step one because it'll bring this topic into your awareness, but you have to then go and learn and practice and make mistakes in order to do that. So I was definitely someone when I was much younger that was projecting what I thought about everything like onto everyone. I was super loud and extroverted. And like now though, I've practiced how to navigate that space. I've filled the voids in my own life. So even my own clients, like they know I will ask for permission to give feedback because I'm, it's, it's, I'm, I'm fine in my body and my life. I feel great. If you want help ask, and I will, I will then invest myself. You know, I'm not randomly investing in people that are going to aggressively respond to me because I'm judging them, you know? Mm -hmm. So you've got to practice this muscle of being like, okay, there's a boundary. This is their stuff. And this is my stuff. And they've shared their stuff with me and I'm reacting to it. That's weird. I'm reacting to their stuff. Why am I reacting to their stuff? You know, and then you can start practicing. Once you've identified that, you start practicing. Hey, do you mind if I share some feedback on that? Do you want to hear some feedback? Do you want some input? Because, you know, you would get the same thing, Amber. Like as a nutritionist and a scientist, like I just get asked everything all of the time, right? And I literally say when I'm with friends, we go out for lunch or something and we, you know, they say, is this good for you? I literally say, let's not talk about this. 
Yeah. Let's not talk about this because I should have a podcast uh, a whole nother podcast called Maddie Ruins Everything. Like <laughs> I, I know too much, right? So it's like, unless we're actually invested in creating an outcome together, I, I don't care what anyone does until they ask or until they give me permission to help them along the way. Until then, I'm not affected by anyone's choices. I love that. That That's such a good way of looking at it. You know, I, like I said, I, I, I try not to like say anything, but I can't help, but, you know, still feel because I was there, you know, and, oh, totally. and I look at something and I'm like, Oh God, I feel your pain so bad. And I think mm-hmm. I can help you, but you mm-hmm. know, you can't, you can't cross that line until you're asked. And yeah, that, that's, that's a hard one. That, that's really oh, it, hard. It really is a hard one. And the thing too, you mentioned before about the supermarket, like when I see people's trolleys and stuff like that, and, you know, see them physically, I just, I mean, not that I've ever been overweight, but I just can remember where I thought choices like that were a good idea. Um, and I didn't, yeah, like I said, didn't get weight gain, but I had all sorts of gut issues and, and, and a few different problems as a result of just living the, you know, typical diet when I was in my younger twenties and living at uni and stuff like that. And I just sort of empathize. I'm like, ah, you know, it sucks. I hope, I hope that they one day something happens and they're open to new information. It's not even that, that mm-hmm. they change. It's the first step is being open mm-hmm. to things being different. And that's even that step's scary for a lot of people because it means that, that what they've lived up until now might not be true. And that's a hard thing to, to oh, admit. We're seeing that right now. Ooh. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> All over the part. It's re- and, and I get that. I mean, I understand. Like you're so married to something and mm-hmm. you 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 thought you were doing everything right. And it's not your fault that it's not mm, that, totally. that it was wrong information. That doesn't mean you're wrong is mm-hmm. just what you believed was not correct. Not that mm-hmm. you're a bad person or stupid or whatever. It's just, you didn't have the right information and you believed yeah. whatever it was. And that could be, you know, anything, but mm. yeah, it, it, it's just kind of, I, I get that. And you know, the whole psychology part of it, it's, it's, it's hard because one, one part you're like going, oh my gosh, how do they not see this? How, how, you know, whatever it is, diet, whatever, how, how, how can they not see it? But I was there too, Mm -hmm. my ears, (laughs) but you know, I, I did the same thing. So, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, when your eyes are open, you're like, <laughs> yeah, you see the world very differently when your eyes yeah. are open and you know all of the marketing lies and the advertising lies and and how you know the farming yeah. lies and the agriculture lies like yeah but as well that become that can become such a burden to want to fix everyone you ever yes. see that releasing yourself as a practitioner from that you know and being like people will make their own choices I am going to advertise myself as a way to make a different choice and those that are come towards me we will help them yeah. Amen. Yes. <laughs> you know, you hit on a point about um, being fooled by so much. Mm-hmm. Like in what we do, our eyes are open now. We've seen how like the government manipulates, how science, you know, trust mm. the science. Um, yeah, you can't really anymore. You got to really <laughs> dig into it. So you are, for me, I have, I admit it. I do have a mistrust. I don't mm. really trust very much because it's all been, you've been lied to 
about everything. Mm -hmm. Medications, mm -hmm. you know, the pharmaceutical companies, they're jacking our foods. They're mm -hmm. making us addicted to the foods. They chemically alter the foods to make you addicted. That's messed up. That's messed up. Really so, I mean, and then you look at the medications. <laughs> and, and what's going on with that. And then next thing you see all over the TV, um, if you've been blah, 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 there is now a, you know, and you're like, I'm sorry, I don't mm. really trust anything. Okay. Now the point I was going to make, I got yeah. something in my comments day before yesterday. I used to love following you, but now you seem to be anti everything. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no, it's not that it's that. And it was about fluoride. Okay. It was a post about mm -hmm. fluoride. And I guess they just didn't like hearing that fluoride might not be the best thing for you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe a year from now, we're going to find out that, oh my gosh, fluoride is the bomb.com. Everybody eat tubes of toothpaste or whatever. I don't yeah. know. But with you should still should be aware and be exposed yeah. to the information, whether you like it or not. So mm -hmm. you can think you can try to critically yeah. think, go do your own research, apply it to your life, figure mm -hmm. it out. It doesn't have to be a right or wrong. And mm. so it's like, okay, so I'm not supposed to put out information that maybe people don't really want to hear because it kind of challenges their belief system. Mm -hmm. Well, this so, comes back to the, that initial belief conversation we have, right? Is that you, the thing, the difference between you and them is that you're clearly willing to be wrong um, by saying in a year, if it's, you know, if it's, we've discovered it's amazing. Yeah. We'll talk about how amazing it is. And it's about that flexibility in your belief system, because if you attach yourself to the idea that fluoride's the best thing ever, you'll never be open to the possibility that it's not, right? And again, we're outsourcing our capacity for identity and connection and all these things when we need to first work on ourselves. So yeah, the difference is that we need all the information. This is what's terrible in a really, and I could potentially go super deep here, but in a political <laughs> way yes. is that, cancel culture, right? Cancel yes. culture yes. is actually really bad. And, and, and I know this might be a bit out there, but things like terrorism, pedophilia, like all of these really horrific things that happen in the world. If we cancel them, they, they happen worse and out of our sight. It's mm. better to know the enemy, right? It's better to know where these people are, what they do, where they hang out so that we can actually have some kind of control over that industry, which sadly is going to exist, you know, anyway. But if we just delete all these things that shouldn't be on social media, and I say this as someone that has been deplatformed, um, like you know, because of my opinions about health and wellness, um, you know, if we start demonizing these categories of health, then we can never be exposed to the information. And it's the same with really terrifying things in our world. If we're not exposed to those realities, we live in this fairyland where we think nothing bad happens. And oh, out of nowhere, we had communist governments all over the world. Where did that happen from? Oh, that just kind of happened overnight, didn't it? You know, so I'm, I'm a big advocate that I think there's, all, all, the evil, all the evil in the world, whether it be food, whether it be anything else, should be basically within our reach, which so that we know where it is, what it's doing, how to protect ourselves from it, rather than bury it underground and it just appear one day when we're in this delusional world of like, everything's totally fine. <laughs> I totally agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. Even though, you know, even though I may not agree with something, 
I would defend your right to be able Mm. to talk about it. And I don't think that we need to be having labels of misinformation because who gets to decide what is misinformation? Who gets to decide that? Yeah, and we learned that with you know fact checkers on Facebook. Oh yeah, we did. Like that. Literally, I was I literally saw multiple posts because lots like you, lots of my network are medical professionals and nutritionists and dietitians, and I saw. Uh, posts be called false and then in the comments was the the photo from the textbook or the screenshot from the journal you know and it's just it's just such a scam (laughs) it really is and it's terrible but you know if you're not exposed to something how do you know what the opposite is you know like like what if you're never exposed to bad how do you know what good is you know what i mean it's like you gotta and I mean, I, I get everybody wants unicorns and rainbows, but me too. <laughs> uh, right? Woo! You know, I, but gosh dang! I mean, you gotta be able to protect yourself, and the only way to do that is to be exposed to information, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you have the ability to critically think. But I kind of question that these days because of what you're talking about. We're being fed things, and we're being. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hate the word indoctrinated, but you're exposed to so much and it's just becomes reality. You say mm. something enough, it becomes real, even yeah. though it is absolutely not real. If you told somebody who is 95 pounds, five foot five, that they're fat enough times, they're going to start believing it. Mm, totally. So, you know, I think this constant, you know, screaming out there about certain things, and then you just you know, people start believing it. So if you're not totally. allowed to even see the other side, but yeah. well, I, think I, I think that's this, the point. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And I think that that comes back to that, you know, initial, uh, like even the human body, right? It's designed for external eyes, nose, smells, taste. It's all about incoming data. And we're not, we're not taught as kids or even adults really that actually we need to go within and learn about within and create this culture within ourselves of curiosity and learning and that there maybe there is no truth or maybe everyone's everything's truth you know what i mean it's like it's not this black and white thing especially in medical and science research like there's oh, yeah. a study to prove and disprove literally yes, everything right yes. um, and so i think yeah it's about cultivating this curiosity in our children in everybody that's listening like everything you hear instead of attaching your identity to it just be like what if that's not true like literally every day of the last 2 years and i've worked as a vaccine scientist in my life Every day of the last two years, I have a, have a particular set of thoughts and opinions. And every day I would say, what if I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's because I don't want to get so attached to this belief system that I get turned into a crazy person, basically, right? Um, and it's the same with health and nutrition. And I think as well with that curiosity, you'll start learning that for thousands of years, we have lived as capitalists and people will do whatever they need to do to collect more capital and more power. Oh, and if that's yeah. the vegetable oil industry or the agriculture industry or the sugar industry, they're going to keep doing it because it gives them and their family and their, their communities lit, literal power over thousands, millions of people. Yeah. And that's the thing, the whole uh, power is a drug, you know, mm. money, you know, power, money, it's this thing. And if, if you look at each, you know, thing that we're talking about, whether, you know, it, it, it's fluoride, mm-hmm. uh, follow the money, follow yeah. the wise. <laughs> and then you got to kind of go, huh, 
okay, maybe it's a good thing, but wow. <laughs> you know, and, and you start putting the pieces together and, and you start questioning. I think that's my biggest thing is when you're not allowed to question something. And I'm talking about anything, not not just this political climate. I'm talking anything. If you're not allowed to, to question it, especially science, for heaven's sakes, that's kind of the whole point of science, right? Hello, yeah. as a scientist, isn't yeah. that what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to dispro- try to disprove your, you know, your theory or whatever. You get. Well, it, it that's makes one no of the sense. problems, though, right? Is that like we in the beginning maybe science was this you know amazing new way of thinking and looking at the world and testing and experimenting and the trial and error idea of experimentation is very useful and obviously mm-hmm. has created lots of amazingness over the last 150 years but now we're so we've got such an like an academic inflation that we don't realize that everybody that's got letters after the end of their name they were taught to th- think about problems in one particular way of thinking and when we and the people that we think are the most prestigious are usually professors that have done that way of thinking for the longest. So actually, the, it's like the more intelligent and up the hierarchy we get, the more rigid we get in our thinking and the more that we have, the longer that we've neglected other ways of thinking, other perspectives, other ideas. And so we've got, again, we're back to this world that we've got now, which is a capitalist medicalized world that thinks one way. And if you think another way, you're a threat to the system. So you should yeah. be eliminated. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And I see this all the time. And, you know, like when, uh, let's just pick on dietitians, but Mm -hmm. you know, the way they're taught and, and, and who sponsors a lot of the education, but they have gone through all of that school, all of that work. And they believe in this because why would they not? And Mm -hmm. then they go out into the world and this is what they, they talk about. Mm -hmm. And I had a, a really kind of an interesting um, conversation with a dietitian of one of my clients. She mm-hmm. was she put herself in a treatment center at, for an eating disorder. She's a mm-hmm. food addict. She she has an addiction to to sugar food. And when I talked to the dietitian, you know, and I was explaining to her, okay, she's been diagnosed with you know this addiction, blah blah blah, whatever. And um, then she the dietitian was like, well, there's no such thing as that. You can't be addicted to any food. That's, you have to have food to live. So it can't be an addiction. This is what, what, you know, the belief. And I was just like, honey, I lived it. I know I have personal experience with this Mm -hmm. and don't even tell me it's different than another addiction because I've had several and that, that is not drugs. Okay. I don't want to say that, but you know, Oh my gosh, I was just blown away. And the more she talked, the more I was like, whoa, and Mm. and the whole restrictive eating thing that you need to eat all the food, including processed food and the cookies and everything. Mm -hmm. My client was kicked out because she didn't eat cookies pretty much is what it boils down to. All she said, she wasn't restricting. She just said, I need to be off processed foods and sugars. It's not about restriction. It's because I have an addiction. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, if you're not going to eat desserts because you shouldn't, you know, get rid of everything, but that Mm -hmm. that's how in the the conversation I had with her, my mind just about just blew. I was just Mm -hmm. like, wow, but that is what they're taught. And if, like you said, if your mind is not open, Mm. 
Yeah. And that's the, that's the same projection of her belief systems, right? Onto that particular patient mm. or client is that she's like, no, it wasn't in the book that I read. So mm. it can't be true. Mm. Yeah. It was really sad too, because uh, there was a lot of, of good that was mm. happening, but yeah. So yeah. the belief systems are kind of crazy. Yeah. We get so attached to them. Yeah. Okay. So how does diet culture affect your mental health? I know you kind of talked about some of that, but get a little deeper because I don't mm. know if people fully understand how damaging it can actually be. Mm, totally. Well, I mean, it, it's fundamentally the cycle between anxiety and depression, right? So is uh, the way that I like to think about it is that anxiety is about fear of the unknown future and depression is about the regretful or unfortunate past. Mm. Um, and so we often go in these cycles where we have these different parts of ourselves where we essentially cycle between the child version of us. So we've all got a child within us because we were once a child and we've got the, the parent. We've got a parent within us as well because we grew into this authoritarian world. And so we, what happens is we end up in this yo-yo mindset and there's a module in my program called Unlocking the Yo-Yo Mindset. And the idea is that we grow into this conversation in our head where we go between the authoritarian and the rebel, right? We're like Monday morning. Okay, right. I'm not going to have any cookies. I'm not going to have chocolate. I'm going to do the diet. It's going to be amazing. You know, just willpower and grit, you know, and then come even that night or stressful events or some emails or a fight with your partner or a couple of days later when you're feeling a bit worn out and like, ah, oh, the child in you is like, how about we just, just have a cookie, just, just, just have the chocolate, you know? And so we have this cycle of conversation going between us with everything in our life. It's like we try and parent ourselves, which is willpower and grit and just, just be tougher, right? And then that leads to us falling off bandwagons and we feel like a failure and that perpetuates <laughs> depression because we regret what we've just done, right? And, in, and before that happens, we have anxiety about making the wrong choice, knowing intellectually that we're like, this choice is not good for me. I shouldn't be doing it. I'm bad. Uh, I'm, and then that just leads into I'm a failure. So I might as well eat. And then we go into this. It's just a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Is that I eat because I feel like crap, but I feel like crap because I eat. And it confirms <laughs> this thing perpetually about ourselves. And so unfortunately that for many people leads to depression, anxiety, um, but also just from getting up and looking in the mirror and then thinking I got here because of that cycle yet dietitians, nutritionists and doctors tell me to use that cycle to get healthy. This is really confusing, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't make any sense. And we know as well from brain function that the conscious mind, which is where you make your decisions about what to do each day, uh, your logical, rational thinking happens in the prefrontal cortex, which is like, you know, your forehead basically. Um, but when we get tired, stressed or anything like that, we withdraw function, neurological function and resources are withdrawn from that part of the brain. So logical, rational thinking, which is where willpower would happen, is mm -hmm. its capacity is physically reduced in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's 5% of your thinking. The subconscious is 95%. This is where your deep seated childhood uh, belief systems and patterns have been living permanently running your life on autopilot. And it's that that's where we need to dig in and access with some of the earlier work I was talking about, mm -hmm. about reconstructing belief systems and identities around diet and unattaching yourself from, you know, external uh, belief systems or external ideas that you don't have control over um, so that you can eventually create a culture within yourself where you're just you 
you believe in you, you're, you're a curious, interested person, you know that truths can change, you, you're flexible, so that when you come to the Monday morning, you're like, hey, Monday's just another day. It's not the start of anything, it's not the end of anything. So mm -hmm. today, I'm going to make choices that make me feel good. And if I, and then when you get to a choice that maybe you wish that you didn't make, or you have some regret about, mm -hmm. you stop. Because if we break this yo-yo cycle in our mind, we're not going to beat ourselves up and we're not going to try and um, be the rebel and say, well, we've done it once. Let's just have a hundred of them, right? So when it does happen or when a situation does arise, you can maturely navigate it by being like, okay, do I want to do this? Why do I feel a pull to do this? Is Which part of me is that, right? And so it's about getting back control, which is why I, the mm. emotional eating component of my course is about being back in control of your food choices because it puts you in the driver's seat and takes you out of the back seat of the car, basically. But while ever we use this parent-child conversation in our heads, we are always going to fall off the bandwagon because the, 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 ch the child will always seek to rebel against you putting a rules up upon yourself, <laughs> like just like every teenager does, right? The more rules, <clears throat> the more opposition or, or ways and loopholes the teenager will find to break the rules. And every time it happens, that teenager, when it does get in trouble from the parent, then goes to its room and thinks, oh, all right, I shouldn't do that. And then we've started that same cycle of parent-child conversation. We have to break that pattern and we have to move into what I call the adult. So the adults in between, right? It's the rational, logical, mature, stable, understanding, flexible part of us. And you might, you might refer to that part of you as your intuition, or if you're religious, maybe God, it's God's voice, or you might refer to it as your higher self, respecting mm. your higher mm. self or showing self-love to your higher self. And so that, again, it's a muscle. We've got, to, we've got to practice using that muscle. And that, therefore, will alleviate the experiences of anxiety and depression that are associated with diet or nutrition or food choices or looking at your reflection in the mirror. Because once you start living from your intuition or your higher self, you start honoring yourself rather than harming and then you make helpful decisions rather than harmful decisions. And when a harmful situation pops up, you can navigate it so that it's not a trigger for another 100 days of harmful decisions. So it can be extremely impactful diet culture on our mental health, but cultivating another way of being and thinking, which doesn't happen overnight. It's tough work. It's mm -hmm. confronting, you know, peeling the onion of your life. There's a reason that onions make you cry. It's, it's, it's a tough process, right? To level up and evolve. Um, but it's necessary if you want to have long lasting weight loss and health. Absolutely. And, you know, I lived that for 40 years of my life doing the whole, okay, well, I'm going to do this diet. Okay. I succeeded every time I met my goal every single time, but then mm -hmm. I would hit that point and that's when my anxiety would kick in because yeah. I hit the maintenance point. I, I met my goal. I did my thing. And then I yeah. was like, oh, holy crap. This is where the bad starts because yeah, I had right. willpower. That ain't a problem. But <laughs> then, oh, my God, what do I do now? And then, of course, self-fulfilling prophecy. I failed. I would mm -hmm. gain the weight back. I would end up right. Cause you know, for 40 years, it was just about the weight. It, I, I, mm -hmm. I, let's just get real. I, I, I didn't even care about health because, mm -hmm. you know, I was younger, if health, whatever, until I got really sick in my mid forties and then mm -hmm. I cared. But until that point, I didn't care about health. I wanted to look good. That's all that mattered because mm -hmm. that's what we're taught. We're the shown you're treated differently. So yeah. 
you see it, you know, on TV and, and you know, movies, magazines, it, it's all about that. And, you know, all the, the people in the diet commercials, ooh, <laughs> they're so cute in little outfits and, you know, uh, uh, doing their little thing. And so you're like, I want to be that person. And then mm. you do, you know, you do that, you, you meet that goal and then you fail. And then what, mm-hmm. what, what did they teach you? They taught you that you're the failure. You didn't do something right. You didn't mm-hmm. move enough. You didn't eat enough less. You didn't count your calories correct. It was always your failure. And yeah, okay, maybe some of it is your failure, but then you beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the depression until something kicks your butt again and then makes you do that whole thing all over again. And then totally. I did that for 40 years. What What is the definition of insanity? <laughs> ah, and it's like, what in the world? Totally. But humans are interesting like that. Like we're, yeah, when, when pain is involved, we're far more likely to take action. But when pleasure is involved, it's like, yeah, not as likely. And I think about that from a reptilian brain. It's like mm. if we're in, in the woods in a tribe, humans don't have sex every day of their whole lives. That would be going towards you know pleasure. But every day of your life, you will run away from the saber-toothed tiger every day. You know <laughs> what I mean? So that's because we're going to die. Um, so it's the same, unfortunately. Like, and, and I see that and you would see that too. Like some clients or patients that come through and like you just sadly know they're just not suffering enough, like in order to, yeah. to do what they need to do or a family member. Um, and, and sadly, I, I spent seven years working in a cancer hospital. Sadly, it takes until it's too late to scare most people into uh, making change. And up until that point, they were too attached to their belief systems or their identity or being like, you know, dad, oh, dad loves that kind of food. He eats it every day, you know, and that's, that's an identity piece that yep. everybody confirms for you. Um, and so, yeah, unfortunately, people wait far too long. But this comes back to the idea of, you know, we grow up in these super busy, insanely busy families that are trying to be everywhere always. Then we move into our young 20s and we're just trying to repeat that because it's like hustle, 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 hustle. It's like, you know, you're not meant to care about health until you're basically dying. Um, and now because of that attitude, we're dying younger. But like at the kids generation right now is the first generation that will die younger than their parents because wow. we've taken this attitude of, external everything else win at win at everything do all the things and forget about hey me i'm actually it's, it's okay to actually look after me and self-care is important and everybody should self-care no matter how busy you are and if you have a belief system that being a mum means you've got no time for self-care i will introduce you to the hundreds mm-hmm. of clients of mine that manage to find time for self-care and health that are busy mothers um you know what i mean so it's they're all just belief systems and we've got to start focusing on us again yeah, I love that. I love the whole self-care thing because I will tell you, um, as a as a, a young mother, whatever, I did put myself absolutely 100% on the back burner. I didn't mm-hmm. exist. I didn't yeah. exist. I, I was a vessel. <laughs> I was a food machine. Then mm-hmm. I was, you know, oh, and, and and they were my top priority. Which yes, okay, I wouldn't change that. But I also completely lost myself completely Mm -hmm. lost myself. And I think that was also part of the whole, you know, struggle thing going on. And that was Mm -hmm. really the really, really bad parts, (laughs) you know, that 20 years right in there, that was just really bad because I didn't value myself. I, I, I was just a thing, you know, doing things, you know? And so, but that is a sign of a good mother, don't you know? And Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if you tried to do something else, you're selfish. 
Totally. I, I love that selfish part. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I guess many women would probably say that that's just a consequence of the patri- patriarchy, right? This, you know, mothers are there to serve everybody else except themselves. And like mm-hmm. I, I think we talked about this earlier, was that unfortunately the truth is your kids are going to grow up and copy you. If you lived the years of being a mother whilst your kids were at home and you sacrifice yourself um, and you don't prioritize yourself, you never take care, you answer everybody's question with yes, 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 always, then unfortunately, as soon as your kids are adults, they're going to do the same thing and they're going to have the the same health consequences, but sooner because we're just in that generation where our parents got it a bit earlier and now the kids are going to get it even earlier. So this is not to guilt anyone. Like again, like, you know, mum guilt is real, dad guilt is real and feeling like, you know, this is part of the emotional challenge of parenting and and even being a leader in a business or anything like that Mm -hmm. is that making these decisions are the difficult decisions that, you know, life navigates and gives us to be able to navigate. And so, yeah, you've got to develop an understanding for yourself that caring for yourself benefits the kids it benefits the mm-hmm. family it benefits the business it benefits everyone around me because i can show up more, my tank's full i'm ready to go i can have the deep conversations i can deal with the screaming yep. kids but if i never take that time by the time the kids move out i'll have three diseases 40 kilograms or 100 pounds that i don't want um and you know the it it, it has it's, it pay you pay the price there's a toll for that that kind of thing i mean yes listening to this podcast might be the first thing that's like okay maybe i have a belief system about being a guilty mum you know and maybe this is the conversation that they listen to that is like okay maybe i can think about the world differently and there'll be teething problems everybody's going to need to adjust but guess what mm. you're worth it 100% they need to adjust absolutely i i could not agree with that more and i do think that we you know sacrifice ourselves so much mm. and yeah and, and, and you think that that is what's expected mm-hmm. or, and, and the thing about self-care, I think a lot of people, they just think bubble baths and, yeah. you know, pedicures or whatever, Totally. but it's a lot more than that. You know, mm. not that that's bad. That's good to take time to, you know, do something you enjoy, of course, but there's so much more to self-care. Talk oh, a little really bit, a, a, like, what do you tell your clients? Like how, how do you get them to be able to to prioritize themselves and, and actually take care of themselves in the way that will help make them better. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess, so the theme of the, the way that I do things is always to start with the self and the psychology. So it's less about um, a list of activities to go and do and more about developing self-worth because once you believe you're worthwhile, you will begin to prioritize yourself, right? And you'll Mm -hmm. begin to see the benefit for not just you, but everybody around you if mum is fueled up, right? Or if if you, whoever you is, is is in your best possible state, right? So we start with, yeah, working out why do we do the past things that we do? Why why are we stuck in the go to the, the kitchen Uh, swing on the pantry door for a while you know at at random times of the day or the same time of the day why does that happen if we don't know why the things that are there currently that are causing the problem exist we'll never be able to fix them because it's like it's literally like trying to plaster over a hole in the wall if you don't actually put some reinforcement around the hole in the wall on the other side then that's it's going to become a hole again soon right it's the same with a pothole Mm -hmm. in the road if you fill it with sand it's going the rain's going to wash it away same scenario is that we need to understand why the past is the way it is so that we can get in there and fix the parts of that that need upgrading. Because if we don't know what's going on there, 
then we're just going to use willpower to try and self-care for a mm. few weeks until we go back to being our old selves. So once we identify our habits and, and understand the anatomy of our habits and which parts of our habits are, are automatic reactions that we now need to bring back into the conscious mind and back into our awareness to start mm. playing with different ways of going about that habit or even the function of that habit. Like what emotional feeling does it get? Does eating the ice cream at the end of the day make me not feel lonely? You know, like it's, it's these kinds of conversations we need to start having. And it's not about just stopping it overnight either. We need to observe it a few times as it happens to be like, okay, this is what's happening. This happens when, mm-hmm. you know, hu- when husband comes home from work or this happens when I have to pick the kids up from school, I have this unconscious reaction that just goes into this automatic pattern and it might involve sugar or, you know, whatever, you know, unhelpful behavior that it involves. And so it's not about just eliminating those things it's about identifying the parts that need replacing and need attention and then replacing them with healthier alternatives and we do it progressively we don't necessarily go from ice cream to kale um, in fact i would say <laughs> you should never have a, have a not never as a broad statement but 99 of the time these replacements should actually never be food they should be physical experiences whether it's breath work whether it's a walk around the block whether you've got a bit more time and you can catch up with a friend or even if it's being intimate with your partner like like it's it's satiating that need that you clearly have in that moment and to pretend that need is never going to happen like fad diet culture says it just says be be tough and pretend like life's you know it's easy um unfortunately those triggers are going to happen so yeah we need to understand the past in order to create a better present i love that and i think you hit on something so incredibly important is awareness because how can you change something if you're not even aware of it and totally. that's what i deal with my clients a lot on mm-hmm. is you know when i start asking them questions all of a sudden they start thinking about it and then they start focusing and then when mm-hmm. it happens they catch themselves and then they're like oh okay and, and so you know i give them certain things to think about when like what you just said okay mm-hmm. like when you feel the need to go open those bag of chips or whatever wh- what are you feeling what's going on at the time what what is it a habit is it is it a comfort thing what is it that you know is causing you to do this is it an addiction you know is it something mm-hmm. you physically can't control what is it and if you're not aware you I mean, how are you going to change? Totally. It's like trying to fix a car, lifting the bonnet in the the night and trying to figure out which part is the problem. Like you can't see anything, you know, maybe you don't even know about cars. So it's like, I can't change anything because I don't know anything about it. (laughs) Exactly. That's a good point. That would be me. I'm sorry. I know I'm a Texan (laughs) and I, 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 no, 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 no. I mean, you know, nails and stuff. No. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's see. Okay. You probably have already kind of talked about this, but kind of re-emphasize what is your number one pet peeve when it comes to diet culture? Like what is the one thing that just makes you go, ah, (laughs) (laughs) I think when, um, I see the advertising like 10 kilos in 10 weeks, um, or yeah, that kind of, you know, or lose nine kilos and get your money back. There's a gym here in Melbourne or a franchise here in Australia that does, um, I think it's nine kilos in six weeks and you get your money back. Um, and it's just the, the problem with that is it's, again, it's perpetuating everything we've talked about that is wrong with the health industry. Um, it's, you need willpower. You're, you're going to go on this crazy starvation diets, which might damage your metabolism. Uh, they might damage, or they'll definitely contribute to damage of your psychological relationship with food <laughs> and wellness and health. And so, yeah, every time I see one of those, I just roll my eyes and I'm like, 
eventually all those pe- all those people on that are going to find me and we're going to fix them. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Yeah, that that is that is really sad because let's face it. Everybody wants the easy way out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we do. Give me a pill, you know. And this, I think, you know, because my eyes are open when when I see people just okay, well, I'll I'll just take my insulin. Eh, and I'll have the piece of cake. I'll just up my insulin. Same thing. Mm-hmm. No big deal. No big deal. And then I'm like, oh my God, you don't know what you're doing to your body. Oh my God. <laughs> but they, they just, you know, have this kind of mentality that way. It's mm-hmm. just easier. It's just easier. That way I can have my cake and I can eat it too. You know, what's, what's yeah. the problem? <laughs> totally. Uh, that's one that really makes me nuts yeah fair enough me too it's yeah uh, we yeah we all want an easier life that would be great but i think you reach a point in your life and that might be 20 that might be 60 where you realize that the point to life is continually overcoming struggle and that is what gives your life purpose and meaning and um, feeling fulfilled and yeah the easy life unfortunately leads to more pain and suffering uh, that's true it is true and i mean i get it because I did all those potions. I did all of that thing looking for that miracle. Uh, You know, now I understand why I did what I did because of the food addiction issue I was having and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the craziness and the abuse of um, diet pills back in the eighties. That was good stuff and Mm -hmm. (laughs) bad, good stuff. And, you know, laxatives and diuretics and all that kind of thing Mm -hmm. out of desperation. Be- because sure. it's like, well, maybe this is the answer. Maybe this is the answer. Maybe this is the answer. And so you're like searching and looking to find the answer, but you're asking the wrong question, you know, totally. and it's using like, the wrong tool, right? Yes. Yeah, so much so, but you know, again, took me 40 years to figure it out, but okay, whatever. At least I guess I, <laughs> you're here I hope I'll, I'll go, I'll go. I'll hope. Okay. So I wrote this question down. Are fat fat people less valuable? Yeah. Uh, Say that again. Are fat people less valuable? I got that from somewhere. Yeah, that's an awful idea. Right? Yeah, that's such a toxic idea. Yeah. I don't think anyone's less valuable than the next person. Uh, Well, I mean, your contribution is how value should be measured, I think. Um, as an individual entity, I think all of us don't have much value until we contribute, right? Until we, you know, contribute to the community or to our clients or to our workplace or to our family. You know, I think, yeah, quality of humans should be measured on the way that they give. Um, But yeah, the idea that overweight people are less valuable is a terrible idea. It is. And and I'm not sure what trigger me to write that question down. I don't remember, but, um, I did these a while back, but, um, I know as a obese person, I know mm-hmm. what, how I was looked at or how I felt I was looked at, you know, cause mm-hmm. you're assuming, and you know, it, it's to the point where like, where you're even embarrassed to go to a buffet because you're afraid people are going to judge you for that. Right. So, mm-hmm. and let's get real though, seriously. If you are pretty and you have, you know, a decent body, whatever, doesn't have to be perfect. You have an easier time in the world. Mm, yeah. Well, I'm that, that I think will 
unfortunately be true forever because we are animals we are a species that is looking to procreate and create stronger more genetically fit humans and that's the same for all animal species whether it be the bird that does the better dance whether it be the the lion that hunts a bigger beast like you know it's i think that is an unfortunate reality of being human it doesn't mean that your value goes down it just means that you have to seek value in a different way Absolutely. And, and I think for me, like when I see morbidly obese people in public, mm-hmm. I'm not judging the person, but I'm looking how others judge that person. Mm-hmm. And it, it brings me back to what I went through. And, you know, sometimes there's one time where I just had tears in my eyes and my husband goes, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I was judging her. It was a lady. It wasn't because I was judging her. It was because I know what was going on and I know how she felt. And I know she mm-hmm. knew what was going on. Yeah. That's the yeah. part that really, you know, hurt me. Cause I was like, uh, I'm going to go, yeah. mm, I'm going to get in the middle of this. I'm about to get, you know, cause yeah, it's totally. like, it's so wrong, you know, but it mm-hmm. is true. That's kind of how our, our society treats people who don't fit this aesthetic version of perfection, you know, mm, totally. whether yeah, it's in looks or in body ways. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. You were going to say something. Did you say just to let me know? Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. The invite I got for this was only an hour, so I actually have to go as soon as. Okay, we can. no problem, no problem. <laughs> I, okay, yeah. can, can can you just sum up really, really quick? Sorry, I didn't mean to keep you so long. Um, no, really totally quick fine. about your carnivore experience or your oh, dinosaur yeah. diet that you caught. Just really quick, tell me, tell me yeah. the, the breakdown. Yeah, sure. So I yeah I did it for the same reason I guess that everybody tries it. Like I don't didn't need to go on a diet per se, but I like as a nutritionist to be able to experiment with all of these different tools, and so. Yeah, I wanted to give it a go. I did it for about five weeks. Um, and I guess I'm coming off the back of it now. I'm on day three of a fast. I wanted to finish with a fast just to see how deep I could get my ketones and stuff like that. Um, again, it was just out of curiosity. Um, I didn't so, sort of, yeah, go into it for any health reason. But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, my, it took my gut about two weeks to adapt in the beginning. Um, so there was a bit of, um, yeah, experience there that I was, was not loving and thinking, oh, uh, but I knew from experience that, yeah, this is, there's going to be a couple of weeks of adaptation. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I really liked um, the experience, the way that I felt. Um, I liked just how easy it was to shop for. There was no label reading. There was no, you know, anything like that. It was just, I knew what it was, but I think, yeah, at the end of it, I thought, yeah, I could probably, probably do that for a couple of months. Um, and, and I want to do it again for like three months. I also ate in that um, I included liver, um, and heart throughout the month as well. And lots of broth and bone marrow as well. So mm. yeah, I, th- I feel if I was guiding anyone through it, I'd encourage that type of consumption to make sure we're getting all the micronutrients and stuff like that. So, but yeah, no, it was good. It was good. I, I think it was a good month. I felt great. Um, yeah, I, I definitely missed, I had weird cravings by the end of the month. I had cherry tomato cravings. I had bro- broccolini cravings and sauerkraut cravings. <laughs> Huh, how interesting out of all the things that's what you're getting 
that's really funny yeah. <laughs> yeah so but no it felt good it felt great I enjoyed good. it okay yay that's good uh, you know and like Ben Azadi, he he talks about you know cycling in and out of various things you know like mm-hmm. the keto diet then like he'll he'll do carnivore for a couple of weeks and then he, you know so kind of keep your body going and you kind of mm-hmm. get a little bit of everything and I, yeah. I was the same way honestly with you mm-hmm. about going to the carnivore diet it wasn't because there was some ideal or uh, you know whatever fitting in mm-hmm. uh, whatever but it, I, I did the 30-day challenge just out of curiosity I figured if I was going to be in the keto world I needed to experience low carb all the way to carnivore you know that whole spectrum and mm-hmm. After a couple of days, my digestive issues completely went away, like completely went away. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I thought keto really made things better because I suffer with chronic gut issues since I was three because I was mm-hmm. huge on veggies. And I, I loved that more than anything. I was almost vegetarian, not vegan, but vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love vegetables anyway. Um, but I suffered greatly. And then, you know, after that, it just boom, went away. And I was like, that's why I stayed. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many benefits. That's why I wanted to dive into it to see if it was a um a tool that I could encourage people to use if if needed, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, autoimmune benefits are yes. massive, you know. So although there's limited data, when there's thousands and thousands of anecdotes, that becomes data. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. It's very interesting. But I'm glad you had that experience because I think it is kind of funny because I did the same thing. I did exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. But I just yeah. decided to stay because I felt pretty dang good. So yeah, totally. But yeah. I'm, I'm always back. willing to change if I start not feeling good. So you know this it's is what's all good. great about you, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> well Maddie, I'm sorry I kept you too long but uh thank you so much for coming on it's been a pleasure as always and i will talk to you soon hey y'all while you're here subscribe to my channel go follow maddie and why aren't you on instagram is that the one you got deplatformed on Mm, i actually don't know um i actually have no idea i wasn't overly outspoken about anything particular so yeah i think it's just um people don't like that medical professionals like myself have a different opinion to the government um and yeah so i'm but i i appealed the decision i've had no like as a digital dictatorship i was not given a reason as to why and i wasn't able to appeal so or provide any of my own evidence so that to me is a communist dictatorship <laughs> i agree with you well i'm sorry that you're uh, yeah because i've checked a couple of times and i'm like what is going on with that and i meant to ask you that anyway yeah. well thank you so much for coming on maddie it's been a pleasure You are very welcome. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Bye, Maddie. See ya.